You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For Jordan Love. 37. Here he is throwing in the middle. It's caught by Watson. He's got great speed. Turning the corner. Christian Watson down the sideline. And he will score. Whoa. Hang on. Love to Watson. To a one-score game. This one is the stunner. You basically feel like all right, this Eagles team sort of has this thing under control, and then Christian Watson hits the Jets again. Six touchdowns now in the last three games. He is really something. When he gets in the open field and running, that was some throw by Jordan Love, too. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. If you'd like to text the show, you can send a text message to 865-658-5824. And I've got a special guest on with us this evening. We're uh, obviously recording this live on YouTube and Twitter um, going live here. Is it Saturday night, Dusty? Is that right? <laughs> that feels right. I think that sounds right. Yeah, I think you're good. <laughs> so you guys will be getting this pod dropping uh, Sunday afternoon, and obviously it's something you can go back to and listen to later as well. No real uh, no real expiration date on this type of talk. Uh, <laughs> we got Dusty on here to, to make us all a little bit smarter, to educate us on this Packers offense and exactly what they're trying to accomplish. Uh, Dusty obviously writes for Cheesehead TV, Packer Report, Pack-A-Day Podcast. I don't know when the guy sleeps. Dusty, how you been, man? <laughs> I've been good, man. Been tired. I uh, had a bit of a day today, but yeah, dude, I've been good. It's, it's uh, you know, past couple of weeks, I feel like I've been busy. A lot of people want to talk about Packers offense with, with Rodgers, you know, finally traded and some of the stuff set in. So, Man, for an off season, it's been a lot of time over the past couple of weeks talking football, which I I always appreciate. So yeah, thanks for having me on, dude. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate you carving out the time, and I think you hit the nail on the head, man. It, it's just, it's like as soon as that trade went through, everybody went, ah, all right, yep. let's move on to the next the next era here, right? And and everybody starts digging. And Jaden Reed's been fascinating to me. I hope we get a chance to talk about him before we wrap up. But really, the thing I wanted to highlight today, guys. For those of you listening on the pod, we're going to do the best we possibly can to explain what we're showing on screen. But Dusty has got a new project that he's doing here with Cheesehead TV that uh, I'm really, really excited about. This is right down my alley because it's so hard to 
to not not necessarily find the information, but to gather the information, organize the information and, and everything that goes into a play call sheet and, and, you know, down in distance in certain situations. And this is, I think, your third or fourth installment of this. Is that right, Dusty? With this oh, yeah. I think this was if you don't count the first one, because this is one like I, where I introed it to kind of lay out like kind of what I what I want to do with it. Uh, yeah. I think this was part five. Um, five. There's part five if you count the first one. So, yeah, this is, I think, fourth installment of like actual like the call sheet portion of it. Yeah, Gotcha. Yeah, I, I, I almost what we're going to focus on tonight, guys, is second and short. And I almost went the first and ten. And I've seen all those plays and I got so happy. I'm like, man, I'll have him on here till 2 a.m. So we try many to get plays there. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to key in on a second and short. And I really want our listeners to get familiar with you and the work you're doing. Um, you know, because like, like I was telling him offline, you know, we've got a lot of listeners here that you probably never even popped onto Twitter. You may not go to, uh, you know, cool websites like Cheesehead TV and others. You might just listen to pods. You're going to gain a lot of information from this. And, and hopefully it'll steer some more traffic in your direction because it, it's – it's not about the clicks. It's not about, you know, the notoriety, although all that, that stuff's great and it goes along with the with the program, but just educating other people on exactly how the game's played and, and the X's and O's. You know, I know you got just as frustrated as I did last year, Dusty, and people can fan how they want to fan, but when you hear just the blanket comments, like this is the only reason this isn't working, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. Rogers won't throw across the middle. You know, we heard that forever, right? And it's like you've got all the evidence in the world that he does throw across the middle, or he didn't throw to the open receiver, but you know, not understanding why he didn't throw to that receiver, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, what I'm gonna do is share the screen here. Let's just jump right into it. And uh, for those of you listening on the pod, we're gonna start off with, uh, like I said, it's it's second and short. Okay, so this is uh, explain to explain to the listeners, Dusty, what second and short actually means, and and kind of how a call sheet comes together. You know, first and ten. Uh, you know, second and long, second, medium, second, and short. Explain that to the yeah. To so it's broke. Program. It's broken up quite a bit, and you know, different coaches do it different ways. I the way I kind of took it off of was you know the, the looking broad scale, but also um, Brian Billick has a tremendous book about. I think it's like crafting offensive game plan or something. It's less than 100 pages, like it's super small. Um, but I kind of went with that as my basis in terms of like you're breaking these things up. So the way I've got it broken up as far as down distance, there's there's what eight main categories. First and 10, second and seven plus, four, uh, second and fourth and four, four through six, uh, second and three or less, then it's basically third and long. So three and seven plus, third and four to six, three and neg less than th less than three yards, and then fourth and less than fourth and short. I mean, you can you can break it up because you're looking like uh, basically how many times you're in each each section. You could do like fourth and five plus, but that's kind of one of those like if you if you're in those situations you're kind of screwed uh like you 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 don't i guess that not kind of screwed you don't want to have the whole idea is you've and, and the like conceptually the way you kind of look at it or the way i look at it and you're kind of you're kind of doing all this you can have 120 300 plays you have 300 plays in your playbook but when you're looking at a game plan you're looking at i know the the comment in billick's book I always came back to is how much offense do you need you only have so much time to practice in any given week you've got the install stuff in the off season but during a given week you've got uh, you know 60 65 70 plays maybe in the nfl and so you're looking at okay how, how do i maximize time for this opponent you're breaking it down to you know 60 ish 60 70 plays and obviously you have some uh, some other stuff you got like some red zone plays and stuff i'm throwing in there as well but that's basically the way you're looking at it is i've got 300 plays i can't practice 300 plays how do i whittle that down into something that makes sense in these down and distances then you're also looking at like 
average plays per game down a distance. So you've got, you know, 25 uh, roughly first and 10 plays. But then once you get down here to second three, you've got five plays a game. So you don't want, I was, this is even something I struggled with. I'm not creating a game plan here, but I'm looking going, yeah, they really have got, you know, eight plays that worked really well on, on second and less than three. Well, that you don't want, so if you do that for every section, then now you've got seven plays instead of five. And now instead of, uh, you know, 70 plays you're practicing in a given week, you're bloated up to 90, which is kind of the problem. So you're basically trying to whittle down in my project here, you know, as you know, as well as I do, Clayton, if this was an actual game plan, you're looking so much at the next opponent and, you know, what, Absolutely. what, what do they do? Are they, are they a too high? Are they light up front? Do we run it around like in a real, if you're really doing this, you're shifting around a little more. This is really my way to um, every year. I like to kind of look back on the season, how they do conceptually, how they do and these different things. This is my way to kind of like, how can I make this more interesting for everybody to kind of recap the year, what they did well, what they didn't do well and make it a little more interesting. This was my way to do that. So it's kind of forced me then to yeah whittle down what I'm talking about or what I'm writing about any given week in terms of what was successful here without making it bloated. That's probably Absolutely. way too much language I just used, Clayton. <laughs> no, no, dude. This is I'm geeking out right now, dude. I know there's some listeners that are the same way. And you know, Pat Kerwin talked about it in his book, Take Your Eye Off the Ball. Uh, you know, Bill Belichick within his building, they talked about how they would game plan for uh for upcoming opponents right and and they would typically do a four game saturation so they would look at the mm -hmm. last four games of that opponent and they would watch every single play on offense defense and special teams and then they would take their last two matchups where they played that team head to head and what that means guys is you know what he's talking about is molding a game plan around okay what did you do really well against them what did they what did they do well against you how can you avoid some of the hiccups you had the first time and it's why it's so hard to beat a team two times in a row uh, and it's not not the fact that they become fam familiar with you as much as it is a head game, right, Dusty? Because mm -hmm. really what you're doing as a coach is you're going in and going, man, we dominated that last game, but they're going to be looking for that. So do we need to change that up, and how much do we need to change that up? It becomes so, like that. I know what you know, but you do you know what I know that you know that I know. It becomes you can over you can outthink yourself at a certain point if you do some of that. But yeah, it absolutely gets into some of that stuff. Absolutely, yeah, and and that's why it's so important to have some of those confidants within the building of a coaching staff. You know, some of the people. Uh, I think it was Ernie Acorsi. I think was his name with Belichick. That was like. You know, people would joke and say, I don't, you know, the people that were outside the building, was, I couldn't tell you what he does. He was basically Belichick's right-hand man, and I think he retired last year, if I remember right. And he was the guy that, you guys remember the Malcolm Butler interception. I know this isn't a Patriots podcast, but I'm just so infatuated with, with Belichick's career and being able to watch one of the greatest to ever coach in real time. You've got to try to pick up on stuff. But watching Malcolm Butler make that interception against the Seahawks in the end zone to seal the Super Bowl, and what went really unnoticed, and you've seen in a foot in uh, in the uh, I think it was, I think it was called "Do Your Job" was the special that they did on NFL Network, and they talked about how Ernie was the guy who found that play and 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 found that hey they like to do this in a in a you know passing situation the the clocks you know crunch down and it's, it's late in the game or late in the half and they're inside the five they like to run this little pass play and he basically had them practice that all week long leading up to the Super Bowl. <laughs> and lo and behold, that decided the game. And some people can hear this and go, oh, it's about the best team on the field, and I get that. I understand, you know, players win games and, and coaches lose them. That's Belichick 101. But when it comes when it comes down to it, man, you're, you've are you got to be prepared. And mm -hmm. what Dusty pointed out here on second and short, 
said on average the Packers face four second and short plays per game in 2022. In this situation, they had a success rate of 76.8%, which ranked them second in the league behind the Bengals. They gained a first down in this situation 69.6% of the time, fourth in the league. Their average gain of 5.2 yards in this situation ranked them ninth in the league. Overall, some room for improvement, but a nice performance in the situation in 2022. Let's build the call sheet. So first up on the call sheet, and you can see this screen, right, Dusty? I can. Awesome. All right. So first up on the uh, call sheet, you've got a passing play, right? you got strike. Mm-hmm. And with this specific concept, they averaged 11.5 yards per attempt, guys. I mean, this is – when I was seeing some of these numbers, Dusty, I was like, I don't remember the offense being this effective. But <laughs> in a second and short, man, you've really got that defense on their heels. So this play that we're going to talk about, first of all, the strike concept – just explain to them real, real quick this graphic we got on the on the uh, on the screen here that's showing uh, exactly what a strike concept is. Yeah, I mean honestly, man, if you've been watching the Packers offense, they, they didn't run it. This is like a, one of the core staples. What's called the constraint playoff, that kind of wide zone pass boot action they do. Uh, and the Packers didn't. I think I don't think they ran it until very late in 2019 with the floor. And this is one of the key plays. Uh, actually, Kevin Clark at the Ringer had a great story with the floor and Rogers and wrote about this play specifically. Um, kind of a a, a staple of the Shanahan offense of a lot of these offenses do this stuff. It's if you hear it, it sounds kind of ridiculous. It's basically a one man concept. It's there's two routes. There's basically a one man route. The Christian Watson touchdown, you lead the show off with that's this concept. Yeah. Uh, so you, you, it's basically, you can, you can run out a bunch of different stuff that that Watson one was run like out of a stack look, but it's basically a guy from one side of the line runs a streak, just a, just some kind of, basically run the coverage off of one side and the guy from the other side runs a dig and you're running that it's solely it's like a, a 12 yard in breaker 12 to 15 yard in breaker route over the middle of the field and it's run solely off play action and the the uh i don't have the blocking stuff up on the screen but it's it's uh basically wide zone blocking so you get this kind of like wide zone blocking all everyone's moving laterally down the line you fake the handoff and where, where the, what makes this effective is where because you get defenses kind of looking for some of this stuff now they bite on the play action then they're looking for those crossers behind them because you're looking for the, the the quarterback to boot out the other way you've got some time to catch up this one is right after the play fake quarterback sticks his foot in the ground quick pivot back and you hit that dig across the middle and this is one i mean they've had they had some issues with this occasionally but this has been one of the best, most effective concept, passing concepts for the Packers in the past three years. Um, it, teams have changed how they play it. So there were times uh, against the Niners in the playoffs a couple of years ago, this didn't do anything because the Niners changed how they played play action altogether. But you're basically looking for you hit that back foot, quick pivot, linebackers are pulled up, and you're just basically hitting hitting behind them is, is all it is. It's it's very, very simple, um, but it's a lot of this where, like, the wide zone rushing stuff comes into effect. The play action bootleg comes – all that stuff goes to set up something like this that you're just looking to hit a quick pass in the middle of the field, quick and easy, and you're picking up 15, 20 yards a pop when you complete that sucker. Love it, love it. And this play that we're showing right now on screen, too, just to kind of call it out, it, it was very unique because if you notice, Big Dog is is outside on this play, right? He's, he's mm-hmm. lined up kind of on the boundary. And I would call this formation, this setup, 12-gun, Z-left, motion to Y, H-strong, tailback weak. Again, 11.5 yards per attempt in this situation when running strike. And uh, with the strike concept, as you can see here, we're going to roll it here one time just to kind of show what we meant by Z. This would be considered, in my opinion, you may disagree, Dusty, uh, you know, most of the time um, opposite 
the tight end side on the line of scrimmage is your X receiver, and then typically mm-hmm. your Z is off the line. The problem is this is your big tight end out here flexed out. What will be considered Z, um, which is actually the tight end, he's going to motion back to Y. So he's just trying to create a little bit of movement there, right, a little bit of confusion. Mm-hmm. He's also getting Aaron Rodgers as much information as possible. And then, of course, as the play unfolds here, like Dusty pointed out, this is your strike concept. Explain it to him here, Dusty. Yes, you're going to have – I mean, we're going to see him. He's out of shotgun. A lot of times you run the center center. You've got the streak from the left and just – I mean, just that dig coming from the right. If you want to run that back, then so that's Dobbs on the right. So we're going to have – you'll just see Lazard. I think that's Lazard on the left. Is running, running a streak. You can see right there, the linebacker's pulled up. you got that big spot behind him. Dobbs kind of pulls up. He's pushing He's pushing that boundary defender. Rodgers is set. Fires that sucker right between – now they kind of shaded that way with the linebacker, so you had to kind of shoot the gap between those linebackers there. Yeah. Uh, but that, I mean, that's that's basically it. You're clearing space on one side, and you're you're it's a replace route. Basically, you're running behind where the linebackers are pulled up for the play action on the other side, and you're just hitting right behind them. Like that's that's as simple as it gets right there. You can see him pulled up. Even what's he? I think it's Avante David. What he's one step up, one step over, and that's all it takes. Kind of hesitate yep. a little bit with the with the uh, play action keys up front, and you just hit him right behind. That's I mean, middle of the field. That's a piece of cake, man. If you got those linebackers pulled Wait, up, you just, you did, that did you just say middle of the field, Dusty? I thought no, he didn't no. throw to the middle of the field. Now here's here's what I'll say, Clayton. He will throw to the middle of the field, but I did do a study on this. Not that those we're talking about now. Uh, since the beginning of 2019, there's like 65 qualifying quarterbacks as far as throwing to the middle of the field. Rogers was 63rd. Like he really, he, yeah. And the, I mean, there's been a big. He will target the middle of the field on play action, and aside from that very rarely so i mean that that's one thing i because i i went to dig into stuff i was like he throws the middle of the field i know he does and then i looked yeah. at all the numbers and went oh no he does <laughs> he avoids the middle of the field like like compared to the rest of the league man he avoids the middle of the field like the play like the play action play action he'll target middle of the field i think like 60 percent of the balls off play action he'll target middle of the field they just don't run play action a ton uh, this is this is such a beautiful play though again guys just so you know you know what started off as the slot receiver with Lazard is now just the, basically he becomes the the boundary receiver and mm-hmm. the ball snapped look there's the zone blocking that you were talking about up front mm-hmm. i mean they sell this offensive line this looks like a run right here and you can see the oh, yeah. backers they are having the they have got to own that now they're looking for their releases right here this is the best right here in the middle i, th- yep. I guess that, is that is that david right there or is he the uh the I think- I think David's on the other side. I think he's to yeah, the two Dobbs side. I think that's David. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Whoever this backer is in the middle, boy, he was completely full because right here he's like, oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> you can see him trying to get back, and yeah, it just it does not work well for him. I love it, dude. That's like like taking Mountain Dew from a baby right there, man. I'm telling you right now, dude. It don't get any better. Um, let's move on to the next play. This one comes, and and this is what you call Hank Jet, right? And, I do. Um, Man, this is this is Matt Lafleur 101. This is Sean McVay 101. This is a little bit of that that Kyle Shanahan that motion that just causes confusion. You just see Mercedes uh, obviously line up on the boundary, then attach it to Y, create a little bit of confusion there, a little bit of hesitation, a little bit of eye candy. But I, I would call this uh, 11 gun strong right halfback same Z motion. You call it Hank Jet. Um, let's talk about it here, man. I'm going to put you on the screen here and uh, and let you see this play from start to finish. And again, on this play here, uh, when it comes to uh, Hank Jet, you were talking about eleven point zero yards per attempt. I mean, that's a that's a good chunk on second yeah. short. That's what you're looking for, right? Yeah, and honestly, some of this stuff gets a little tricky because I mean, you're looking at however many plays throughout the course of a year. I have it up in front of me. Second, there you know, four to five times per game, so whatever that that amounts to, um, not a ton. Um, 
and so, so the sample size is relatively small with some of the passes. So that is that is high, but they only ran this a couple times. Um, and so Hank, Hank, Hank is is a relatively simple concept, and they dress it up a bit. So Hank is that on the right side. If we back it up a little bit, there, Clayton. It's Lazard and Deguara. Hank itself is is a hitch route from the outside and a, and a flat route underneath. So you got right there. And so what you're doing is. That's a quick read. Now, the way they dress it up here, a couple different ways. You got the jet motion. I think that's from um, Watson. Yep. So you do have kind of that. That's that's basically your alert on the play. And so if that boundary defender is kind of tied up and and he's looking from the jump, if he's looking like he doesn't know what's going on and the safeties don't rotate or whatever, you throw that deep. Uh, and so that, that's kind of a built-in. You got a built-in shot. If you don't do that, then you read short. So you're looking uh, hitch flat. The way Hank usually works is the hitch is usually covered but you're tying up a linebacker from the inside. It doesn't work that way here. You're tying up a linebacker from the inside, essentially a natural pick route, and then the flat is open. And then so none of that's open here. So you've got – so I, I picked this play because I like it, but I like you've got the backside route is what wins. I think like the actual concept itself – is a very good second and short one. Now the Hank is not open here. That little hitch flat isn't open, but on the backside, they've got Dobbs as the X running a little out and in deep out and in man. Like he sells that out. Then he comes back in kind of a very deep pivot route. Rogers throws it up and away. Dobbs is able to catch it and, and, and make a first down. So I picked this one. I, we talked a little bit before the, before the show, I watched this stuff. I look at the numbers and then I watch the plays and some of them I toss out because they're extended plays. And that doesn't mean anything when you're, when you're creating a call sheet. If you gain 20 yards on a play, but it only may work because the quarterback ran around for eight seconds, like that's that's not a good play. I picked this one specifically because the concept itself is a sound concept. You've got the deep alert. And also that that works really well for the short yardage stuff, even though if it didn't work here. But I really like that backside action there as well. That, that pivot route from Dobbs, who sells it really, really well, really sinks into that that route there and, and then comes back. So it's, again, uh, not, not the cleanest rep on this in terms of like working to the concept itself. But there's a lot of stuff in here that I like that can see it be, uh, be successful, even if one portion of it is not. Yeah, I mean, you just see you see options all over the field here. Mm -hmm. And like you said, they covered Hank very, very well. But like you said, the, the pre-snap motion there with Watson, he's basically running a big wheel route, right? I mean, he's just hitting yeah. the sideline. And then you've got, of course, the Hank concept if it's covered up. Now, let's let's pretend here for a second that this backer actually drops and covers this out and in, right, on Dobbs. Mm -hmm. Then what do you got coming out of the backfield? Aaron Jones, right? Just that quick swing pass. Mm -hmm. Options everywhere. I love it, man. Good stuff. And, again, it's obvious that, uh, you know, with that kind of yards per attempt, man, that's a that's a go-to play there for sure. Um, let's move on to the next one, man. The third one you had on the call sheet. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Did, is this? Yeah, this is where we get into a little RPO we've action, got, right? We've yeah. got one RPO. So their RPO game was up, but their RPO game was not great this past year. Um, and most right. of their RPO, I put this one in here partially because I'm looking back at last year, but also partially because I'm looking forward to this next year. So I'm seeing like, what do they have in? And then, so this is a review of what they did last year, what they have in that worked in certain situations. But I'm also trying to keep in mind for some of this stuff. It's Jordan Love. What could he bring that maybe Rodgers didn't? I think we talked about this the last time I was on. Rodgers, as much as Rodgers seemed to love RPO game, Rodgers hated the post-snap RPO. So those pre-snap RPOs, you're reading numbers and you're reading leverage. And it's a horizontal, usually a bubble pass to the outside. And if we've got more guys than they do, we're going to throw that bubble. Now, defenses kind of started taking that away and, and basically dictating what the Packers did there. And they also don't have Devontae Adams to throw to. And so a lot of that yards after catch, which is what the RPO throw itself hinges on, was not there. 
And so I think that's going away a little bit, but there is this, the post-snap RPO is where you're reading a, a, a conflict defender. We'll get into that here. You're reading a conflict defender after the snap. You're reading a single man after the snap and saying, if this man is part of the run fit, I throw it. If this, if this man falls back under the throw, then, then we're going to hand it off to run because they're minus one in the run game. This specific one, I think, is from week two. Yeah, there we go. I got some even stuff here. So this is what we're looking at here. right here, man. This is fancy. This is fancy. (laughs) So what they're going to do, and this was early in the season. They got away from the power run game a little. That's one of the things. I really want to see them go back to the power run game, and I think they will with a little more continuity on offensive lines. That's like pullers. This is going to be their pin-pull stuff on uh to the left side so you've got this yy wing set to the left side now you're going to get into some of that stuff with two tight ends those guys are going to block down and then you're swinging the center and the tackle and you're basically pulling into kind of a sweep look to the left side so that's the run action which is where this ends up going they hand off there they're going to run aj dylan's going to follow those big boys to the edge and he's going to get it now What's going to happen? What he's not going to do, he's not going to throw. But you're reading that conflict defender. He's got a backside linebacker. If that guy, you're reading, you're, it's a simple glance route, which is just basically, I'm running two steps up the field, running vertically, veering slightly towards the middle of the field, and I'm looking back at the quarterback, getting eyes on him. If that linebacker does not fall under the the route, you pull up and you fire that stuff. We saw Love do some of that stuff at Utah State, not a ton, but we did see him do some of that at Utah State. If that guy stays back and the throw isn't open, I hand it off. Simple read reading a single man it's something again i think because rogers didn't do it they built more of this stuff into the playbook this season uh the the but rogers just never threw it he threw two or three but even on those post snap reads he's reading it pre-snap anyway and he's firing up and throwing i think because of tape study or something <laughs> he did not like reading a defender i think love will be a, but so but they built that stuff in i think they wanted to get to this kind of game they just, they just wasn't throwing it. But I think something like this, that worked well here, as we see, because he hands off on the power run. So you got advantages both places. Your power run, you're pulling guys around, and you're reading a single defender and seeing what he does, and then you decide whether to throw or pass. And they can be a lot more explosive than the RPOs we've seen from the Packers, just because you, you're getting a guy on the move, moving vertically up the field as opposed to bubbling horizontally towards the sideline. Yeah, I mean, it puts so much stress on the defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it – it really, really does. And, and again, this is what, what I would call 12-gun T-flex motion set right twins. And, obviously, it's an RPO power glance. Now, I'm telling you right now, Michael Wall, we had him on the show yesterday, you know, former uh, guard for the uh, the Green Bay Packers. Played a little bit of tackle, too. Played seven years with the Packers. Um, he's licking his chops watching this power play right here, man. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. <laughs> that dude, we broke up some tape uh, yesterday uh, with him, Dusty, and, you know, that, that big year. I don't know if you were – uh, following the Packers as close, I'm sure you were back then, um, with uh, with Amon Green having his big season back in mm-hmm, 03. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was crazy. I pulled up a play random. I didn't tell Mike I was going to do it. And I was like, <laughs> Mike, I got something for you here. And I shared the screen and he went, this was week two. I think he said he's, I think he said it was week two, second play from scrimmage. And I looked at the clock and it was 14 minutes in the first. I'm like, how does he remember this? He, <laughs> and he said it was raining. He named off everything. I was like, oh That's my God. And dude, he, he came around in, in his specific play. He was the left guard pulling William Henderson. They were coming out of an offset. I, William Henderson, basically sprinting the line of scrimmage, hits the defensive end, makes a gap for Mike to pull through and, and clean out the backer. And a mom was off to the races. So I know he would be licking his chops here, but you know, it just shows you how the RPO game is has evolved so much here when you talk about mixing in power run plays with an RPO glance. And I, I really appreciate you taking the time to explain. Uh, what you said there about how Rodgers likes those pre-snaps, you know, those pre-snap reads more so than uh, the the post-snap there. He kind of makes his mind up with the numbers game, right? So yeah. 
Um, love it, man. So again, like his, like his tweet said, glance RPO off a of power look. Quarterback reads the conflict defender on the pass. If he falls under the pass as he does here, you hand it off. If he's part of the run fit, throw the ball right by his ear, right? Just hum it, hum That's that trigger right. right in there. Love it, man. Love it. All right, let's move on to the next one, man. Um, now we're going to get into a little bit of inside zone. Obviously, uh, oh, let me go back. I'm sorry. With that play specifically um, with uh, with power glance or RPOs in general, 11.0 yards per attempt on second and short. Um, love it. Let's go to inside zone here. Talk to him about inside zone a little bit, Dusty. And I love what you said in the tweet. You said a little inside zone or is that duo? I love, I love it. Love it. So tell them the difference between inside zone and duo and how it, 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 you can get mixed up so easy. When it comes yeah, to those. yeah, and a lot of people uh, hit me up on this one. Like that's that's clearly duo. That's this is one <laughs> thing. I mean, this is a huge blind spot for me. Is mm-hmm. that uh, and I, I've mentioned this. I think every single time it's even in this article. I get, I try to get as in depth as I can with the past stuff, just because that, that's the side that I'm more interested in. And then run stuff, I'm like uh, inside zone, outside zone, wide zone. Uh, it's like right. that's <laughs> basically what I end up doing because like I power any anything if it's if it's trap, if it's pin pull, if it's counter, if it's anything, if there's a pulling anything it's power and then i just move on because i only got so much time in the day um so duo is and i can't remember all the exact specifics but you're you're the way the original way i got into it it's, it's power without pulling so inside zone everyone knows kind of wide zone blocking at this point you're not blocking a man you're blocking the zone in front of you and there's two main camps in that it's wide zone and inside zone wide zone is more you get uh what was anthony munoz it was like everyone's on the same track um it's basically trains on a track and you're blocking the man in front of you you're moving laterally inside zone is more vertical pushing so it's more like at you you're attacking the guy in front of you and duo is even more so so it's it's been described as power without pulling you're looking for at least two double teams up front and the blocking specifics. I don't know that anyone cares about blocking specifics. It's something blocks away from if the center blocks away from the tight end, I believe if there's, if there's two double teams are looking for two double teams and the center blocks away from the tight end, and there's one other big identifier that's a duo. If not, it's inside zone, but the way the zones dictate, it's still, this is why I don't pay a ton of attention to some of that stuff because you can still have multiple double teams on inside zone. It's just where the man is as far as like the zone blocking scheme dictates. You can still have multiple double teams. And so it's 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 a little nuanced there, but I think it's it's uh, center blocking backside of the attached tight end uh, and at least two double teams. That's duo. Um, and so apparently, according to people who hit me up on this, this is clearly duo. Um, and I still am like, that doesn't, that's fine. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an at you, it's a vertical at you zone blocking scheme is, is what you're looking at. I just group everything into again, inside zone, if it's inside zone, regardless of everything else and outside zone or wide zone, if it looks wide zone. Uh, so it's basically, you're, you're looking to get double teams and looking to move guys in front of you where wide zone is a little more, and we'll get into that kind of a, a stretch to the side and you're looking for your cutback inside zone or mid zone even there's a little more of kind of like a direct route that the running backs looking to take there's fewer looking for backside options you're looking to hit these like one or two specific gaps on the inside and so it's more of a hammer at you vertical rushing we see aj dylan in here aj dylan's your inside zone rushing back jones can do it dylan's the guy if you want to hammer someone a little bit good stuff good stuff and this play here specifically for those of you listening on the pod 11a strong left trips right motion left and inside zone run. Let's play it here and just talk about it, Dusty. Tell me what you're seeing here, man. Obviously, you got a little bit of motion there, and you're kind of almost putting Lazard on the wing. I think we're going to miss that with Lazard. Yeah. I know. I know we see Christian Watson block a lot. I'm gonna. I was going to save this for the backside, and maybe we'll just hit on it briefly right now because I want to ask this question while I'm thinking about it. in this specific situation. When I watch Luke Musgrave play, uh, you know, on his college tape, especially you know a, a year ago, and I look at it and I go. 
he can do everything Alan Lazard did. I feel confident yeah. he can in the receiving game. And and the and the thought of him, you know, in this situation, being able to come over to that that wing area and being able to run block. I mean, do you kind of see Luke Musgrave the same way? Like he could play this position right here that Lazard does? Yeah, I mean, I so with with the tight end specifically, I I temper just because I I don't think he's he's not going to be Lazard in year one. Just the, the intricacies of the game, like he's not going to be there. Um, but I mean, from the way I've been looking at what he's going to give, yeah, no, that's exactly how I've been looking at it. Because with with usually the way I look at the college guys, it's if it's a tight end, I want him to show that he can block. If I want to see a wide receiver, I want to see that he's willing to block because you don't have to be a lockdown blocker in, in college uh, for a lot of those guys. But you have to show you're willing. Can you can you can you lose slowly? Can you get in the guy's way? Like for a tight end, I want to see a muscle some dudes for a wide receiver. I want to see, are you willing and do you know where you're supposed to be enough to get in a guy's way for Luke Musgrave? I don't think he's ever going to be a guy and maybe I'm wrong who's going to be a lockdown blocker. But if he can be like basically the mold of a big wide receiver who can get down and block and can basically like get in a dude's way, he looks like he's willing to do that. I don't think in year one he's going to be that, but down the line, like, yeah, I'm, I've been looking at him the same way. He's a he's a larger Alan Lazard, hopefully. Like, I honestly, I don't know if he's ever going to be the blocker Alan Lazard is, but he's bigger. And so if he can just get in guys' way, like that, that does a lot, dude. Yeah. Absolutely. And Lazard, the thing that I noticed about him and Mike Wall talked about it the first time we had him on the show was how you get to confrontation determines how you handle confrontation. And to me, Lazard, especially in the running game, he always showed good balance. Um, mm -hmm. You know, this play here wasn't the best look, probably not the best example, but so many times. <laughs> and another one, though, as we roll the tape here, and for those of you listening on the pod, uh, the guy that's in the inside receiving spot on the right side there now that Lazard has kind of moved over to the wing is Christian Watson. Look at him out here, Dusty. Oh, I know. It's amazing, man. I it, mean, he did that stuff in college. We got to see him doing that year one, dude. It's it's yeah. It's very impressive. It's technique too, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. It's you know he's not the the beefiest guy on the field. He he's one of those guys. He's he, he looks a lot a lot slimmer than uh, than most receivers. But man, when you look at his footwork and his technique, he he is not going to be beat inside there. He's gonna he's, he's gonna at least slow that guy down and create mm -hmm. that wall there. And, he's uh, square, yeah. He's got his he's got his legs back, like really good form on that. He's that's the thing. Like Watson, there, like I think he's in good position. He loses slowly. He gets pushed to the middle. But that mm -hmm. guy does not affect the play. Like that's right. all you want from your wide receiver, especially rookie wide receiver. He's he's outside. He, and I mean, there's multiple uh, things this year of Watson blocking well and running mm -hmm. plays. Like, I, I'm a big fan. Um, so yeah, I mean, this play, uh, I guess you know the, you got you got a couple double teams. You do have center blocking backside away from the tight end. Um, the biggest thing here, and I guess you're you're some of the running keys as well, also factor into duo. That's the other one. Um, you can see, and I mentioned this at some point. You can see Dylan. It's 54. Is that Leighton Vanderash 55 right there? Watch Dylan. He's running straight at him. See how he sets him up. He makes him pick the wrong, pick the wrong gap, who gets caught up in the wash, and then a quick cut back to the right. And so he's like, all along he knows he's taken that right side of the VA gap, I guess. Uh, but he sets up Vanderash there. He kind of runs at him, forces him to keep his feet in place, and then cuts back through the middle. So really on this one, and I mean – the running game as a whole was not great this year, partially because of the offensive line was not great. Really good movement on some of the inside zone stuff, and especially the duo stuff when you're kind of helping those guys out a little bit more. Get those multiple doubles. I mean, that's running and Myers just muscling the guy. Yeah. Big E gets inside uh, his dude with Bakhtiari, and then Bakhtiari is able to kind of move up second level there. So really, really good rep from uh, from from the basically the point of attack right there. Absolutely. And Myers, like you said, you know, helping helping right here with, I guess, what would be considered the two technique might be a two. I looks more like a two and he's going to help out on that two tech and then get right around and sell off that backer. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. 
Beautiful. Yeah, Myers had kind of an up and down year. But this was a, this was a good rep from him for sure. Right. I had I, I, it might be the end. It might be the next one. Like I'm talking about good about Myers now. I think the next one we're talking about. I think Myers gets wiped off the face of the earth. Like it still is a positive play, <laughs> but got to say some good stuff because this next rep is not good for Myers, man. Yeah, yeah, it says right there. Myers driven back immediately. It's not. <laughs> it's not good, man. It's not good. It's, but he was good on the inside zone one. And, and you could see him get to the next level so many times, but then it was just inconsistent. You know, mm -hmm. and, and Mike kind of talked about it again. You know, when we were talking offensive line play, it's like, you know, every every player that makes it to the NFL is a good football player, right? What separates the good from the great, and especially at the offensive line position, it's just mastering the footwork. You know, we had Jacob in the comments section ask Mike. He said, um, "Do you think Rasheed Walker could could play himself into that backup role and eventually a starter?" And he said, "If you want to know the, an the the answer to that question, watch his feet." Because everybody at this level is strong enough. Everybody at this mm -hmm. level, they have the size, they have the physical ability. It's are they willing to put in the time to master the technique, the the footwork? That's what it comes down to. He said, you you you're, you can find many offensive linemen who just are crazy strong and and have crazy size. You know, Josh Myers, Tony Manning. And they don't make a good blocker. And you can find someone that's a little undersized, but if you if they've got the footwork. You, you can tell they're they're going to be in the league for quite some time. You know, one of the people that comes to mind for me was Ross Tucker. You know, Ross Tucker mm -hmm. wasn't like this Pro Bowl caliber offensive lineman. He, he's a journeyman, played for several teams, but there was a reason teams kept calling, and it's because his footwork was solid and he had a quick get off. Right, you got those two things, man. Like Mike said, you your ninety percent success hinges on that footwork, right? And mm -hmm. with Josh Myers, man, you I. I since I've watched the game of football and especially a Packer fan, I can't think of another center that has that size, that has that athletic ability. And it's so frustrating because you see it, you see flashes, and then here comes the inconsistencies. And mm -hmm. part of me wants to hope that we all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. You know, maybe Aaron uh, kind of muddied the water a little bit. And you guys know I'm I'm not an Aaron Rodgers hater. I'm a big Aaron Rodgers fan. I love Aaron. I love 12. love what he did with the organization. I, you know, hearing him <laughs> scold Josh Myers on national television, Josh snapped the effing ball, <laughs> right, and stuff like that. It makes me wonder, will Josh settle down a bit? Because you could see him pressing. You really could. Um, so, again, that inside run, though, 6.0 uh, yards per attempt on that. And let's move on to the last play on the call sheet, which is wide zone. And this specific play here, Dusty, um, I'm just going to go ahead and set the stage and then let you kind of call it out. I've got 12A strong left, jet motion X. You call them wide zone here. You can see we've got the offensive line, you know, overloaded to the 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 right side of the defense, left side from the offense's perspective. Talk to me here about this wide zone because this is when when you hear when you hear Shanahan, McVeigh, Lafleur, it's wide zone boot, wide zone boot. You know, that's kind mm-hmm. of everything that this whole offense is being geared around. Let's talk about this player, man. What do you see? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, just I mean, just briefly, yeah. The, it's I mean, it's the engine that makes the whole thing go. If wide zone isn't working, I mean, large parts of the. I mean, we talked about the, the, that strike drift, PA bang. The very first concept we looked at that doesn't work unless play action, unless the wide zone's working. Like that's that's basically. And and what what you're looking for, roughly speaking, again, like Anthony Munoz has talked about, like he's a Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame offensive lineman in wide zone stuff. Instead of you're not blocking man, you're running down the tracks. And he said trains on a track, and you're running the you're blocking the man in front of you, and you're going down. And what you're trying to do is you're aiming for the the coaching point. I don't think I've written this, but the coaching point in wide zone technically is they say they say the butt crack of the tackle to the to the play <laughs> side. So that's what you're looking for. That's the aiming point for the running back. And then you're looking for the way that naturally does. You've seen the thousand as Packers fans, we saw Terrell Davis do it in the Super Bowl. Real painful stuff. But you're running laterally down the line. That that offensive line is kind of moving laterally down the route line. The running back is following those blocks. His aiming point is the tackle's butt crack. And but he's also looking for for cutbacks because that's what you naturally have. You're you're basically you're moving laterally down the line, trying to create gaps down that line, and you're you're taking wherever the gaps occur. Sometimes that's front side. A lot of times the, the most devastating ones are if you get a backside cutback and there's no one there. Um, teams are better about about covering this up a bit, but yeah, this is again, it's it's when you think about those offenses, this is the this is the concept that makes the whole thing go. If your wide zone's broken, you've got parts of your offensive playbook that just that simply do not work until you get that fixed. Absolutely, and the go. You know, I remember when when Brian Kelly. I'm I'm a Notre Dame fan. Kentucky Wildcat. Notre Dame is is like my two football teams, right? So I've basically got one football team. But <laughs> that being said, you're in Lexington. You know what I'm talking about. I do know what you're talking about. <laughs> so uh, when he came when he came into Notre Dame and they were talking about they were going to run these stretch plays, these outside zone plays. Immediately, I'm thinking. I'm getting this envision of, of them cutting the corner, right? And this is over a decade ago, which it, it's just amazing how time goes by so fast. Yeah. But I'm thinking of them cutting the corner and hitting the sidelines, and it's no, dude. You were you were stretching that defense thin. You're stretching them horizontally so you can find a cutback lane. And like you said, right off the hip, right off the butt crack, however you want to say it, you're cutting up field, and you're trying to get that defense to flow in one direction and then cut back off of it. And here you can see there's already a little bit of confusion off the snap or pre-snap. Yeah, this right here is hilarious because you see six a little bit late here, right? He's trying to get to his spot. So he comes from one side of the, uh, of the field to the other here. He's trying to get in position. 
watch it freeze up on me now as soon as we go to do it. We knew it was going to happen, right? I've got this Tennessee this internet, man. It ain't good. I promise you. <laughs> See if we can get it to roll here. Look at it spinning, Dusty. This is good. Good podcast. It wants, it wants to, man. It's trying to so hard, brother. I know it, man. I got to get a bigger extension cord to run out of the holler here, man. That's the only way we're going to make this one. <laughs> but anyway, what I was trying to point out is it spins here. It may not load. Um, this happened when we were when I was working on it offline here, but Six gets to his spot finally, and then what do you see? You see Christian Watson come streaking across, right? Yep. <laughs> He's like, crap. So you're already putting stress <laughs> stress on the uh, on the player. Let's see if we can go to another one and get it to pull up. If we can get yeah, one Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with the Jet stuff too, right? Like it's always – d- defenses are, are doing better with it now, but uh, it's it's when – there's a lot of the a lot of the play calls, a lot of defensive play calls are based on uh, strength of the offense. And so it depends on <laughs> – when that guy crosses the center line, as far as what happens, so you see some shifting. And so, you know, technically the passing strength is still to one side. If you snap it when he's outside the center versus when he crosses the center. And so teams are way better now, but when that first started coming up, all the jet motion stuff, that really was a huge problem. And it still is to some extent, especially a guy with the speed of Watson. Um, but you're, you're, you're basically changing the strength of the, of the formation at times, which then can change the entire structure of the defense. And you're trying to deal with that on the fly. And then you got a guy like Christian Watson who runs what, like a four, two, something like flying across. It's mm-hmm. it'll, it'll sow some confusion. And if you're the bears, it'll sow a lot of confusion apparently. Yeah. And again, we can't get it to roll right now. I apologize for that, but um, you know, pretty much explained everything about the wide zone there. You're, you're basically getting that, that defense flowing in one direction. And I'm trying to remember if this was a run to the, uh, you know, the way we're looking at the screen here, was it a run? Was it a run right or left? Was it weak or strong run here? I think it went strong, strong. Okay. Do not have it in front of me. I can see if I can find it on my side real quick and, and run it by myself and just kind of look to see, Oh, I think I can do this. Yeah, I'll just I'll run it real quick, just just for all the listeners who are like, "Well, tell us, go. man." Let's was do it this. wide. Was it what? Is it strong or not? Here we go. Let's see. Let's Here we go. It. We got it now. We got it now. Do we? All right. So no, that was he went. Uh, he went uh, weak side. It looks like. Yeah. Yeah. So, so away weak, from huh? jet, they went weak side yeah. away from the jet motion. There, yeah. That makes me so excited because look at this setup, guys. <laughs> like when you look, you've got you've got this guy way outside here. You've got a one tech in the middle, right? And that's it. And, mm-hmm. and and you you talk about getting more than a hat on a hat here. I mean, look at the look at this numbers game here. And again, what you pointed out earlier too, Dusty. Watch these backers when Christian Watson comes streaking across. Like they are, they took those completely out of the play, right? Yeah, they. I mean, they shifted completely. You basically have. I mean, the one I struggle to mention Myers loses because Myers loses real bad on this, but he gets his man out of the way. He basically right. rides him back behind the backfield there. So like, listen. Not a great rep for Myers, but he's able, and D- Dylan's able to sidestep a bit there, but he's able to kind of still kind of, <laughs> he gets him out of the play. The man runs himself out of the play and Josh Myers rides his back is essentially <laughs> how that ends up working out. So not a great rep, but the guy didn't make the play. So like, hooray, I guess. <laughs> hey, we'll take it, man. Especially yeah. after last year, we'll take everything we can. <laughs> yeah, seriously, dude. Yeah, but it, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. And, and you see right here, you know, with right guard, He's going to get out here at the next level. Poor number six. He, he, you know, granted, 70 didn't take him out, right? But six is like, I don't want no part of that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, well, Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson has some, uh, not a great year in general, but some rough games against the Packers this past year. Yeah, for sure, man. I love it, dude. And like you said, man, that's the staple. And the fact that they ran weak right there was just absolutely awesome. 
Um, I love it, man. That's mm-hmm. uh, that's good stuff. So I got to ask you, man, obviously with the call sheet going forward, what's the plan this year as we get closer to the season? Because I don't know how you look at the offseason, but I, I don't find myself going, man, I wish the season would hurry up and get here. Sometimes I find myself going, I don't have enough time to figure out what actually happened last year, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to dive deeper into it and understand exactly what we saw on the field. And uh, that way, you know, you, you, you don't really know what to look for this coming year if you don't understand what did and did not work the year before. But as we get ready to step into training camp and then obviously into the preseason regular season, what's the plan with the call sheet this year? Yeah, so I mean, my, my plan, I, I'd like to say that I have this all planned out and timed up in a certain way. And, and the truth is, I don't. I mean, I this is it's set up in a certain way to where it's going to take me a while to get through it. And a lot of these clips are already pulled and I've got, you know, everything kind of most of it not written, but like I, I've got, you know, to play diagrams written up and all that stuff. And so the plan is uh, weekly, you know, on Wednesdays going up. And just just going for a bit. I mean, I'm with you. I think the off seasons for me are usually after the season's done. I take a beat um, because I, I run myself ragged during the season. And like the thought of writing about football at a certain point, I was like, I, I physically I cannot do this. I can't imagine. And I, I work a desk job anyway. I can't imagine sitting at a desk tonight and write, I, writing about football. So I take some time. And then once I kind of get back into it, I'm into it. And it's, it's some of it's a bit of, um, yeah, looking back on the season, especially this year, looking back on the season to look forward. Um, Cause yeah, a lot of people have been asking, you know, what it, what's the offense going to look like uh, with, with Jordan love. Uh, and, and they expect, you know, wholesale changes, which is not realistic. Like it's going to look 80% the same roughly. Uh, but I, I, you know, most off seasons and this off season, more or less the same. I'm looking back on last year, what worked, what didn't, why didn't it work? Uh, why did it work? And then usually I, I try to take up some kind of project. I watch another offense or um, read some books trying to like last year, I tried to like, I don't know anything about special teams. Let me learn some about special teams, almost like uh, like further education on, on some of the stuff. So by the time the season starts, I'm hyped for the season, but also, yeah, I feel like there's two more books I wanted to read. There was one more <laughs> offense I wanted to watch. You know what I mean? So it does kind of sneak up on me a bit, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be weekly hitting this stuff until it comes out. So I'm what next week's going to be, third and long so between third and fourth down that's that's four more weeks and then i think uh oh i've got it in front of me i don't have the schedule i do on my call sheet though hmm. uh i've got two two weeks to red zone so one one high red zone so 10 to 20 and then the other one zero to nine would be the low red zone uh i think i've got maybe maybe one short yardage but one of the big ones i was really i just kind of added recently i'm kind of excited about is explosives i've not even looked at this yet um like before last year it was kind of this, how are they going to generate explosives without Devontae Adams? Because he was like 40% of their games on explosive passes was, was Devontae Adams. Uh, and I've not really looked at that. And so that's another, that's one more thing I'm going to add before I get done with this, this whole project. So like four more weeks for down and distance, two weeks for red zone. I said six weeks. And then seventh week is going to be explosives. So it's going to be uh, just if we need to dial up something, here's three plays that worked for us this past year. The strike is definitely going to be on there just because yeah. that has been, I mean, they broke that one so much and they ran it so much this past year, but I don't know what else is going to be on there in the past. It's always been uh slot fade routes, uh, Aaron Rodgers and Devonte <laughs> yeah. Adams, and they missed on a lot of those years. So I, I think that's going to be missing. So that, that's one. As I go through this, I'm excited because every week I'm scrapping a play here or there because it didn't end up working. And I got to find something else. It's been, it's been fun. It's been eye opening, but the explosives is like, I'm hyped to get to that because that's been something I've been kind of curious about. I don't know why I just thought of it like this past week. Oh, I should look at that as well. Uh, that's been, I mean, they've been dink and dink and dunk uh, for a lot of this year. I know a lot yeah. of people have talked about the, the, the length of their drives 
Um, and that's hard to do. I mean, the West Coast offense is based around that short passing game. It's hard to be perfect. You can't go 19 plays every single drive, man. Like you just can't do it. So you got to generate explosives, but now more than ever, as teams are trying to kind of hold the offenses down a little bit, you need to hit stuff over the top. I'm really curious to see like what they were successful with and, and what they weren't this past year. Uh, it's amazing. Cause like just talking about every, everything you just covered and, and the time and the, and the thought process that goes in and you think about a coaching staff putting together an entire playbook an entire off-season program, and it's just like, man, those guys are earning that paycheck. There's no doubt. It's funny because, like, you were talking about catching up right now. I don't know if you can see that. I'm oh, still, Bobby Bobby Peters. Yeah, I'm still in 2020. Like, I'm, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm, and I'm going through this like, oh, this is this is like gospel. This is great stuff. And and Matt LaFleur is probably looking at that going, God, we can't even go back to that. You know, <laughs> we never see it again. <laughs> it's funny because I went back to one of his. Uh, so Bobby wrote a book on the 2018 Titans, their passing offense, which was the floor's year play caller there. And so when I was doing, I did something this past week with um, Tyler Brook over at Acme Packing Company about what the what the offense is going to look like I've seen going that. forward. One of the plays I pulled, I was like, I know they did some middle of the field stuff with Tennessee, and I was looking for a very specific play. I went there, and those books are amazing because he's got it all indexed. He's like, yeah. Here's how it worked. Here's when it worked. Here's when it didn't. And then here's the game and the down the distance. And so I was able to pull up uh, a play from each uh, post uh, from from that Tennessee Titans year, 2018 year. Thanks to one of those. I've got you can't. I don't know if you can see it behind me. I got a shelf of books behind me. I basically have a Bobby Peters section behind me. I've got like eight of his books sitting back there from different offenses. It's Tremendous just, stuff, dude. It's it's so in depth, but it's also so simple. It's straight to the point. Mm -hmm. Everything's cut and dry. I, I love everything about it, man. It's uh, it's just like my personality. Boring. If someone <laughs> just picked up that book, they try to read it as a book. Like, oh, I want to learn about this. Look, like, this is boring. No, this is not boring. This is. This is Lord of the Rings stuff to me. That's right the here, good bro. stuff, that's right there, dude. That's the good stuff. Well, to um, your point too, I've thought about that as well. Not to not to harp on that point, but I mean, even when I'm putting this together, and I've, I've thrown as many caveats on it as I possibly can, because I don't want anyone to think that I'm trying to replicate anything that goes on in the Packers off in the Packers room, because this is this is basic basic stuff. I mean, I'm looking at like you said, I'm saying this is strike, and that's all I'm doing. And then you're calling out the you're calling out the line call, not the line calls, but you're calling out the what you would call it, like the basically everything right. additional, the personnel, the formation, the movement, all that stuff. I don't have any of that because for me to try to like push all that together for everything doing again, I'm putting this all together during the week during the season, I would lose my mind. And so yeah. this is like as simplistic as I can get. I've got strike, and strike went for 11 yards and second and short, like. If you took if you took that into the Packers room and you're like, hey, look, run this play in second short, it's like get out of here. <laughs> what are you an idiot? Like, get out of, like there's not there's nothing to this. You gave me a like a simple concept and a down and distance. Like this is nothing. So ultimately, this is I mean a very simplistic look at which which is all I'm all I'm trying. I'm trying to understand it a little better. I'm trying not to get bogged down it too much. So it is very simplistic. But yeah, I try to think of like the work I've tried to do into this and then what an actual NFL offense will do. There's no way to replicate that, man. Right. No, there really isn't. And it, you know, the what I what I like about your approach, and and it's why I call you the Greg Cosell of Packer fans, is because <laughs> Greg Cosell, he doesn't come from a, a standpoint or an angle of look how smart I am. And he'll he'll point it out. He's like, look, I I'm not going to cover every little int intricacy about this offense, but here's what they do well. Here's what they're focusing on. 
Now, how does this person, how can they use this draft class? How can they use this free agent, uh, you know, signing, uh, you know, as far as deployment and how they're mm-hmm. going to fit in to their, you know, their specific role within the offense. And that's really what it comes down to, which kind of, I wanted to get your take on this before we wrap up a couple of different questions here. Jaden Reed, with what you've seen of Jaden Reed, man, I got to be honest, Dusty, when they drafted him, I swung around here and looked at my draft board and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> what did I miss? Like, how did I? And it's funny because when they traded back the first time, like I was telling Mike yesterday, I was like, oh, they've got somebody that they like that they don't think anyone else is on. And then they traded back again. And I'm like, who could this be? Like, you know, and, and I'm looking at Jalen Hyatt and I'm like, that was, you know, excuse my language, but I was like, that was ballsy to, to, to just know that Jalen Hyatt isn't going to be taken. And I was convinced it was going to be Jalen Hyatt. And There's then when a they lot took of Jayden smoke Reed, around that, dude, I went, Who's Jaden Reed? What, what just happened? But then when you go back, the one thing I learned this year, and I always try to make notes every year after the draft, I go, what what did I not see going into this draft? Mm-hmm. Now it's it's plain as day to me that Goody is not afraid to go back and look one year before. And, and those players that really shine one year before, mm-hmm. maybe they had quarterback play that was down this current year, but the year before with decent quarterback play, maybe a better O-line, better offensive coordinator, whatever, they're willing to go back and go, hey, look, here's when they shined it. Because, again, I, I heard Belichick talk about this one time, and Michael Lombardi talked about it on his podcast, them being in a draft room and 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 people, you know, even just building the draft board and people constantly telling Belichick what a player can't do. And finally, Belichick's like, I don't care what he can't do. What can he do? That's what I mm-hmm. want to know. What can he bring to the table? And um, when it comes to Jaden Reed, what do you see there, man? What 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 pops out to you? And as far as some of the plays, the the uh, the footage that you've seen of the Packers' offense last year, can you see him kind of filling a role as a rookie? Yeah, I mean, uh, I know Packers fans, and I'm I'm part of that as well. Um, the, you know, the Raz game, we get so caught up in in the Raz stuff, the relative athletic score, and Reed did not score high on that for a couple of different reasons. Part of it was I think he had some kind of injury um, before his testing, so I think his forty was relatively slow. He's he's a little on the smaller side, and so we get. I mean, there the Packers generally have certain thresholds that they will hold to. So if you follow the Raz board. More often than not, you're going to be right. And he tested a little below that. I think he was like a 7.5, something like that. For me, I think <laughs> I'm one of the few people who was like, I I still, I love Amari Rogers. I'm, it's sad he didn't work out. But right. I was like, I think I think if they gave this guy a chance, he could play. I think he had a very specific role he can fill. I think Jaden Reed could be like a supersized version of what I always hoped Amari Rogers would be. He's got speed and athleticism because Rogers, like even at his best, um, like it wasn't the fastest guy, was not the most athletic guy, but he was a willing blocker with good hands. Now, for whatever reason, I think Rodgers hated him, and I, I've heard some stuff like he did not necessarily know the playbook as well as, as he should have, and that that contributed to some of it. But he's a guy who is not necessarily a gadget guy because the athleticism was there, but a dude who would stick as a little undersized. You could use him in the backfield, kind of Randall Cobb basically, would stick his – had no issue sticking his nose and blocking and had a good enough – you know, even if he wasn't fast, good enough short area quickness to to do some stuff in some of the quick passing game, which Rodgers loves. And I'm, I don't know if love is as good as Rodgers. He, he clearly isn't at this point in his career because Rodgers in my book is like an all-timer in terms of like quick passing game and, yeah. and kind of seeing where people are and diagnosing that coverage quickly and the quick trigger and all that. So love is not that level. But I think he's a guy that can help you there. I think he's a guy you can line up in the backfield. Um, he's smaller than Lazard, but I think he's got a tenacity to him in the blocking game that I really, really like. And I mean, his, again, his 40 was, I think he ran like a four five 40. Like it was not slow, but it also was not fast. If you watch him and I watched him at Michigan state, just cause I got, I got relatives who are Michigan state fans. And so I, I watched some of them every year. 
that like he can fly. He can fly in a level that say Amari Rogers could not. So I mean, I, I think early in the year, um, you know, I don't know what he's going to bring. Any of these rookies, I don't know what they're going to bring. But I think yeah, if you're if you're looking at a if you're looking at it from the aspect of like what can you do, he's a little undersized, but I think he can give you something if you want to line him up. If you want to move him around the formation, you want to just switch him between slot in the backfield and hunt your mismatches that way. What the Packers want to do with some of the two running back personnel last year, it didn't work. If you want to look at him at some of those packages and say, instead of AJ Dillon and, and Aaron Jones, we're going to do Aaron Jones and Jaden Reed, and you move him backfield to slot and you hunt mismatches that way take a couple shots to him, you know, every other week or something like that. Like, I, I think he's a guy who will give you in short area and then like some, just some shot capability and some jet sweep stuff right away. I think we'll give you something, but I, you watch him and like, he plays with an attitude that I, that yeah. I appreciate. Yeah. And, and I was actually uh, watching a video on him earlier from Michigan state and some of the tragedy he dealt with, you know, uh, growing up, losing his father when he was young and, how many people on this team have that similar story, you know, with Jordan Love and Jaden mm -hmm. Reed, and I think they said uh, Tucker Craft as well. It's yeah. like these guys, man, we're built, you know, the old Bill Belichick quote, we're building a team, we're not collecting talent, right? You can tell these guys are going to come in and they're going to fight for each other. Um, but what you were talking about with the 40 time and why he dropped, you know, Zach Cruz and Paul Brettel uh, on Twitter both reported that John Eric Sullivan said the Packers actually clock read at 437. So, yeah just shows you how quick and you see it on tape dusty you see it man oh dude he can when he gets out he can fly dude yeah and he's so quick twitch and, and and just smooth fluid when i watch him run routes and i don't mean to be dramatic here or or overstate it but there's only one other receiver that i seen in the time that i was a packer fan that played on the packers that he looks just as smooth or smoother than that I feel like was the best route runner I ever seen, even better than Jordy Nelson, and that was Greg Jennings. Greg, and I, I was hoping you were going to say Greg Jennings. Yeah, he was smooth. He's just, there's no wasted motion. The hips, then everything about him is just – and when I see him run these routes, and, and, and granted it's in shorts and no pads and I get all that, but, man, he just looks so smooth. It reminds me of Greg Jennings, and you can see on tape he's a lot quicker than Greg Jennings. Um, mm -hmm. so that's, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very excited about him for sure. Yeah. And the last question I'll ask you, and we'll let you get out of here, man. I know you've, you've been running ragged all day and I appreciate your time. All um, the time in the world, brother. Tucker craft and Luke Musgrave, man. Um, you know, when they were first drafted, what I was hearing was think of Luke Musgrave as filling that Tunyon role and think of Tucker craft filling that Mercedes Lewis role. And I asked, um, I actually asked, uh, Mike wall about it yesterday. And it's funny, I asked him similar questions that I asked you. He was very excited about Jaden Reed. And um, when I asked about Lucas Van Ness, he was not as excited. Now, granted, he's an offensive lineman, so he's good. <laughs> but yeah. if he doesn't but, like a guy, isn't that like high praise? Like, uh, right, I don't yeah. want to go against that guy type of thing. I'm not giving that guy any credit. He's the enemy. <laughs> um, but when I talked about Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave, he got really excited about Luke Musgrave. How do you see those guys just in uh, Granted, I know it's early. That tight end, man, that position, we've we've heard Matt LaFleur talk about it, mock it on it too. It's gonna take a lot of a lot of time for those guys to get adjusted and understand you got to know everything about the passing game, everything about the running game. You got to be a receiver too, because they're gonna play a lot of flex. You see Mercedes coming out, you know, playing the boundary there before he motioned into the Y attach. Um, what do you think about Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave? What pops off as far as how they might be deployed in this offense? 
Yeah, I, you also have to learn um, a backfield stuff as well to act as a fullback because yeah. they'll move those guys back there a little bit as well. Like it's it's tricky. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, it's it's tough talking about tight ends. I like to talk about them uh, and it, assuming this is like when they get up to speed, like when they reach who it looks like they're going to be. Because like you said, I think year one's going to be rough. I think year one they're going to be more receivers than they are kind of blockers. Because even Kraft, who I think is an absolute dog, like there's some technique stuff he's got to clean up. I mean, he's he is very good, but he's not going to be transition and be a lockdown blocker right away. But yeah, I mean, I think that that roughly tracks. I think you know Musgrave. We already talked to him a little bit. Like he's he's a guy who I don't think is ever going to be like a lockdown blocker. But he's willing, and he'll get in your way, and he's a big dude. So yeah, Tunyon, Tunyon works for that. And Tunyon's a guy who worked really, really hard at his blocking. Like he got noticeably better as every year went on, and he was never perfect. He was never even above average, I don't think. But he knew he was supposed to be, and he was willing, and he got in people's way. And sometimes that's all you want. So I think that's Musgrave. And then yeah, I mean, on <laughs> someone, I don't think he's ever going to be Mercedes Lewis because Marty Mercedes Lewis is like one of one in terms exactly of what, what Mike said. Mercedes Lewis is one of a kind. That's exactly what he said. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's a six offensive lineman. Like everyone says that, but it's absolutely just six offensive lineman that will catch five balls a year is basically what Lewis is at this point. God, I was looking back so bad, man. And well, that's, I think getting back for the coach. I'd love if they were back as a coach. It'd be incredible because that was something Tunyon talked about. Tunyon, his first big year, I think, came with Lewis and Jimmy Graham there. And he was like to have, Jimmy Graham, who obviously was a diminished version of himself, but basically to have like two guys that could pick their brain. One guy who's a lockdown blocker and has done it so well his entire career. And another guy who's basically a big wide receiver for the bulk of his career to learn both those sides of the game from those two guys. He's like, that was huge in my development. So I would, if yeah. they could get Lewis back for that development, uh, it would be amazing. Yeah, I got off a little bit there. Um, Yeah, Kraft, I, I mean, he's, if you watch, you watch that dude, you watch that guy catch a pass and turn. I, just, I don't know why anyone would ever want to tackle him. Like he right. is such a you you look at him like walking down the street in shorts. Like you you got the pictures out of Packers camp. He yeah. looks like a big dude. You see that guy in pads, he looks like a monster, just yeah. an absolute menace. So he's a guy if he hits the ceiling, if he does what I hope he's going to be. I mean, he's a guy who can he can block guys on the move. And you talk about I don't know like Ross Oglum and Jacob Morley who cover NDSU. He's like that was the guy in that conference. If you're playing up against South Dakota. You're game planning against Tucker Craft. They didn't have anyone else in the team wow. that would that would strike fear to you. Tucker Craft was that dude. And then you watch him and go, Yeah, I get it because he can he can block. He's doing that slice motion underneath and he's sealing off that backside. He's doing power movement stuff in the run game. And then he he's got a pretty good, not as good as Luke Musgrave, but a pretty good feel in the passing game in terms of like when to run away from zone and using leverage and all that stuff. Good hands. And then once he gets the ball in his hands, like he's Musgrave is not like a big yak guy, but he can run away from you a little bit. Tucker Kraft will turn and then he'll just, whoever's there, he will try to run you over. And that's different in the conference he's in than it is in the NFL. But I just, you look at him and go, I, why would you want to tackle that dude? Like he just, yeah. he looks like just an absolute menace. So yeah, I think if they both hit their ceilings, Tanyan is that guy who's going to be in line occasionally. He's going to do that and will be fine, but not great. I think Kraft, I think Kraft has a, I think pretty good upside as a, as a pass receiver as well. He's not going to be, a uh, big street. Uh, I think it's a whole seam stretcher thing. Like, I think there's, uh, you want a guy who can do that stuff, but that's less important than all the other tight end stuff. Like you're not, you're not running that tight end up the seam 50 times a game. Like you want a guy who's a solid tight end, who's going to operate in a Jason Witten type thing. This is my ideal anyway, Jason yeah. Witten type deal. And you're working that short area and you know how to work against leverage, like kind of in that, you know, five to 12 yard range. And then occasionally if you need to get over the top, you got, you got the, the giddy up to do that. And I think Kraft has all of that. So I think if both these guys hit their ceilings, 
to me, I think Kraft is the dude who's like a like George Kittle type game changer. The de- the offense, the defense cannot key in on what you're doing defensively because you can do anything and do anything at a very high level if he's in there. Whereas Musgrave, I think could be very very good, but more more of a He's going to be a very good receiver, and you can't key in on everything because he, he is a willing blocker, but you can't lock down the run game as well as you kind of craft is out there. But yeah. it's two guys that, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was big on, on Michael Mayer, who I think is more kind of a, a solid guy from the jump. I think he's going to, you know what you're going to get with him, but yeah. I think both these guys have, have much higher ceilings than, than, uh, than Mayer does. Um, and uh, yeah, that, yeah, Tucker Craft, I was kind of so, so on. And then I watched some of his college clips and like, this guy looks like a monster. I'm glad he's on my team. <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah. And it's so true because like with Michael Mayer, you, that to me, that was a prospect that you felt like he could be ready day one, as it, mm-hmm. more ready than anyone else as far as the tight end class. But when you look at, like you said, Tucker and, and even Luke and and how, man, they're – I mean, they, they could legitimately be superstars. We might be looking at the old school Patriots with, with Gronk and that other guy, and I say that yeah. other guy for a reason. But, I mean, you you could. If you, if you come out and you show that 12 personnel and then you flex him, you flex Musgrave in the slot. I mean, Dusty, he was clocked at 20 miles an hour at the senior yeah. bowl. Bro, yeah. that is mo- – there are guys that run 4-4 and 4-3-40s that haven't hit that speed as far as next-gen stats with pads on. Yeah, and he's a big dude, a big dude moving that fast. That's a scary proposition, dude. It's it's the thing that Greg Cosell talks about all the time is stride length. He said he he watched film for NFL films for so many years. I think he started in the 70s. He said, I'd watch film for like 15, 20 years before I even realized stride length was a thing and how important it is. You have that, man. You have that with Luke Musgrave. You have it with mm-hmm. Tucker Craft too. But uh, I can't wait to see those guys get on the field, man. Give me some 12 personnel, flex Luke Luke out there in a the slot and let him crack back on some guys and block. Come on, dude. Well, and you Come also on, got man. then guys like we just we saw Watson who is willing to block and is a good blocker. And then if you get a guy like Jaden Reed or if Dobbs gets better in that, like you, if you have five guys, four or five guys who can block very, very well and are willing blockers as well, man, world's your oyster at that point. Absolutely, man. I'm getting so excited for the for the season, but Dusty, we got, bro, we got to study first. We got to get this. <laughs> I got so much I need to read. <laughs> I'm right anyway. there with. It. I think this is the first year I did not buy any new books. I've got such a backlog. I'm just yes. going back through old stuff as much as I can. I Same say life. that I did buy like one of the Bobby Peters books from this year as well. So I do, yeah. I've got. I can't remember which one he he did this year, but I I've got a book of his this year, and I've got another one coming. I think. One aspect of my podcast that I've neglected is I've, I was kind of the history guy, right, and, and telling some of the 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 buried stories throughout the, the history of the Packers, and I haven't even did one this year because I'm so I'm still doing chalk talk. I'm doing chalk talk on rookies. I just want to understand as much as I can, and and I've got mm-hmm. like you said, I've got three books I need to dive into. The wife bought me a book. I can't remember the name of it, but it's like they've got modern day pictures of spots in Green Bay and then what it was back in Curly Lambeau's time. Oh, Ooh, that it sounds is cool. Excellent, man where you could see where they actually played, you know, at the old, uh, it's just, it's awesome, man. Absolutely awesome. That's, that was probably my favorite stop this year when we went to green Bay and I'll let you get out of here. Um, we actually had dinner at the hotel Northland where the players, okay. used to stay. bro. It, it went from this real fancy hotel where the players lived in Curly actually lived there for a short time. And then it actually got kind of ran down. It was turned into section eight housing. Um, and then, Another group came in and bought it up after the building got abandoned. And when they built it back up, they're restoring it back to the Hotel Northland and just sitting really? in there, man. It, it had the the area we sat in was close to the bar and it was real fancy dining, you know. But the vibe I got in that old building, Dusty, and my wife said the same thing. She went to the restroom, came back. She said, this place feels kind of 
Like, there's something here. And I know you like horror films, right? And we ain't going to get on this. But immediately I said, you know what I think of with that bartender handing me my old fashioned? I thought of The Shining immediately. I'm like, this has The Shining vibe right here, man. So I refuse to go in the bathroom, right? That's just. <laughs> Anyway, we're gonna let you get out of here, man. Again, appreciate your time, dude. Um, Thank you guys you. follow him. You already are. If you if you're following this knucklehead called Clayton Bailey, then you're following Dusty Evely on Twitter. It's at Dusty Evely. Check out his work at Cheesehead TV, Packer Report, Pack a Day Podcast. Dusty, you're the man, dude. I really appreciate your time, bro. Appreciate you, Clayton. This was a blast, dude. All right. Thank you guys for uh, for hanging out with us. Thanks, uh, thanks to Nate and the gang in the chat, everybody on Twitter and YouTube. And like I said, we'll get this out to you guys on Sunday afternoon. Really appreciate Dusty's time. Appreciate all you hanging out with us. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go Pack Go. For Jordan Love. 37. Here he is throwing in the middle. It's caught by Watson. He's got great speed. Turning the corner. Christian Watson down the sideline. And he will score. one is the stunner you basically feel like all right this eagles team sort of has this thing under control and then christian watson hits the jets again six touchdowns now in the last three games he is really something when he gets in the open field and running that was some throw by jordan love too